I wish the microphone could pick up the atmospheric, spooky, mean-sounding rain that we have going on right now. The storm roaring outside as we huddle in our small recording space. It was a dim and stormy afternoon. It's not quite dark and stormy night, but... It's just an afternoon. It's not really... The sun has not gone down yet. It's dim. It's kind of gray. Perfect atmosphere for the episode of the morbid moment you're about to listen to. Hi, everybody! Hi! My name is Katie Nyborg, but everyone on the internet calls me Stick. Joining me is Red the Ever Uncredited. And somewhere... Toki's hanging out. Toki. You want you want to say something this week? You want to you want to chime in? No silence. No, not a, not even a little. Man, I've officially done this podcast enough that I'm starting to feel like I've done the opening a million times. Like it's just words that I say now. Yeah, and you're like, did I say all the words correctly in like the right order? Is it Toki the uncredited and Red the sound guy? <laughs> Wait, no. Um. <laughs> Who am I? Who are we called again? What's my name? (laughs) Am I Stick in real life? Morbid Mike? (laughs) Morbid Mike? (laughs) Mike? (laughs) Uh, This morning I have a quick plug for our Patreon page, which you can go and see if uh, you go to your little URL bar and type in patreon.com forward slash morbid moment. All of the money we get will be going toward buying better sound equipment. I wish you could see... While she was saying that, she had her hands up in, like, what I could only describe as the chipmunk pose. Like, little, little pleading hands, oh. kind of like you're gonna hold a big piece of corn and gnaw on it. Well, it was cute and pleading and if, uh, small rodent-like. Well, if you become a patron, the, you will be giving me pieces of corn to chew on, <laughs> metaphorically. So, if you, uh... Want to help us get better sound equipment and uh, get access to some cool Morbid Moment goodies? Uh, head on over. Take a look. Maybe our first sticker will be a little creepy chipmunk. <laughs> a vampire chipmunk? Oh, and I, I wanted to, speaking of stickers, I wanted to maybe clarify, because I, since I was editing until forever, uh, the last episode, I don't know if we really made it quite clear that, like, the sticker tier, you get a, a different sticker every month. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one sticker, it's kind of a sign up to the doodle and sticker form club. So if you like stickers, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go there. Don't know if they'll be black or white or color or both. Maybe we'll just color every sticker halfway. We'll see what happens. Alright, for today's get to know you topic, I actually (laughs) wanted to just hijack the entire thing, and I want an excuse to talk about a weird uh, quirk, a, a talking quirk that I have. So this, the subject for today's Get to Know You is, uh... Stick's excuse to talk about herself. Yes. <laughs> or, let's talk about weird things that you do with your voice. With your voice box, your speaking ways. Since speaking has to do with podcasts, and we are podcasters. You're just... You're, gonna talk about myself. Okay, guys. You're just really trying to find any excuse to talk about this. I really want to, because this is weird, and I've noticed that I've done it at least once before on the podcast, and it's going to happen again, and I want people to know. But just, 
first admit that this has nothing to do with morbid anything. It's not particularly It's only attached morbid. to a podcast because you now have somewhere to talk about it to the masses. Yeah. Okay, I just needed to get that out of the way. Do you want me to go first so then you can, like, do the best for last? Okay, sure. You can go Because first. I have to come up with something now. <laughs> okay, that's true. I mean, like... Okay, are you talking, like, weird speaking things you've always had? Sure. Weird speaking... I mean, you're the... You're the... My answer is yes to anything you suggest. Whatever you think would be interesting to talk about. I think your... <laughs> what you're gonna share is the interesting thing to talk about. All I've got is, like, the fact that I supposedly have a Chicago accent that exists and then gets hilariously more prominent when I- Especially when you're mad. When I'm mad or when I'm really into something. Mm Mm-hmm. Or drunk. Which is about the same as being mad and into something at the same time. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I love your Chicago accent. It's- it- you can really hear it when I say Chicago. Yeah. That's the correct way to say Chicago. And if you say it any other way- you're either not from Chicago or you're from the wrong part of Chicago. Meanwhile, now I sound kind of like I'm either from Minnesota or have visited Chicago, and neither of those things are super true. Yeah, I know. You have, I think just from my influence, you just have like a vague, weird Midwestern... I got some Oz in there now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm from that's... Seattle and I've always lived here, so I don't know why my accent is so weird. I'm pretty sure because... We're close Washington, to Washington, especially Seattle. You guys are kind of, don't take this the wrong way, but sponges. And I mean that more in, like, the literal sense. Uh, we <laughs> than... just sort of absorb whatever culture and language comes toward us. No, no. I, I mean that less in the, like, you absorb whatever culture comes your way, and more like, you guys are moist invertebrates. Oh, that don't see the sun often. Oh, so oceans. We're just sort of like subhuman, and we've developed a wrong way of speaking because we don't go out into social. You just you just kind of absorb enough. things, but just because that's your porous nature. Oh, I, I mean, mean, I can't disagree with anything was, you're uh, saying. And you're Seattle, so you won't disagree. I think that's maybe kind of my point. Mm. I love Seattleites. I love the people here. You know that the majority of the people who listen to our podcast are from Seattle, right? They're love. They're some of the most lovely amphibians I've ever met. <laughs> she almost choked on her teeth. God bless <laughs> the wet, wet coast. No, I know. You know, I could also make fun of Chicago. It's I. I have that ability. It's I equal opportunity teasing. It's true, and Chicago is pretty easy to make fun of. Yeah, no, we we know, we, we, you know. But uh, I guess if it makes you feel any better, I could always also mention that I grew up with a ton of speech impediments. Hmm. Me and my siblings, big on the speech impediment train. Don't know if it's the ADHD that runs in the family or the other cognitive whatever you call it, but we all had speech stuff. I also I, had a speech impediment. I lisped. Oh. I lisped a lot. And stuttering was a thing. And it still is sort of sometimes. Like, you can tell, I think, in the way I... Well, I guess audience members know much less of how much I trip over my words because I edit that shit out if I can. (laughs) But if you could see how much I edit out. (laughs) Podcast magic. Well, I'd say I had a uh, speech impediment because there were just some sounds I guess I refused to enunciate or pronounce correctly. Were they ours? They were... 
J's. Because my sister had the, every R was a W, like the Elmer Fudd thing. She, yeah. She could say, R. So they're like, no, it's R, go R. And so she would go, R. And they're like, okay, now say, rabbit. And she would go, rabbit. You get points for trying, kid. Yeah. <laughs> so was it like that? <laughs> uh, I don't. No. I don't remember. It was when I was really small. I got into a speech therapy class mm-hmm. in uh, elementary school, and I... Old them seashells by the seashore. Yeah, uh, I had to say the word chocolate sauce a lot. Chocolate sauce. In fact, I think it was the phrase, I love chocolate sauce, over and over. Because all of the syllables in chocolate sauce were really difficult for my little mouth brain to understand (laughs) but that was when i was really young and i guess i grew out of it pretty fast i don't know what my problem was but now as an adult when i was in high school i think i read a book that had a small side character that had a little quirk where he would comedically mix up common sayings and idioms he had one that was like you know, we'll do that when the cows freeze over, which is, was mixing up cows come home and hell freezes is over. Is this like the, it's not rocket surgery? It's not rocket surgery. I thought that was really funny. It's There's a name for that, isn't there? There is. There's a special name for it that I'm not going to look up right now because it's long <laughs> and you guys have the internet. <laughs> but, so I thought that was funny and I'm like, wow, who would ever do that? And now as an adult, for some reason, I do it all the goddamn time. It's your life. And I don't mean to do it. It's always completely by accident, but I... I would say you get them wrong way more often than you get them right. It's just, I just smush idioms together and I don't realize until Red has given me a strange look. And, and words. Yeah. Well, I have some examples. I brought them with me. Have you, have you, like, just gathered enough examples that now you're ready to be like, I need to tell the world this? Yes, I have. So, some recorded examples are me saying, two rocks with one stone. <laughs> like you're gonna take care of, like, kill two rocks with one stone? Yep. <laughs> the word chummingly? Oh, yeah. Which they I... were They were getting along chummingly was how that word was used. Uh... It was like chummy- and swimmingly. swimmingly. I always say, pull my arm, why don't you? Yeah. And then I think about it and I go, oh, that's not it. Nope. Just pull my leg. Or twist my arm. But not both of them at the same time. I want you to switch over to twist my leg, why don't you? Twist my leg. She's the, just uh... twisting my leg. What? The one I've said in the podcast was we're going off the books. Yeah, that's right. I hope I left that in there. You did. Yay! Which I have been informed is not the phrase. It's we're going off the rails. We're going off the rails, but there is also the off phrase, the books. Off the books. Which still is not used how you tried to use it. Recently I said that we'll play it as it happens. <laughs> we'll play it as it happens. Okay. And then there's the phrase off the yin-yang, which I, to my credit, I think that, like, some some cool hip kid character from the 90s must have said that in a cartoon at some point in my childhood, and I probably went, oh, that's a thing that kids say, and I've kept it ever since. I think that's why I say that. It's out the yin-yang. It's out the yin-yang? It's out of the yin-yang, and yin-yang is like the... The phrase that they use for 
No, it's off the yin yang. It's not off the yin yang. It's not like it's like off the chain. Right, which is totally different than out the yin yang, which is what you use this for. You're oh. like, oh man, there was like there was cookies everywhere. There was cookies off the yin yang. That's how you use it, and it's... I love that phrase, and I'm so sad that just, it's not real. You're so close, though. Like, it's so close to being right. So... It's like two letters. So if I talk, and I say things like this, and we go on as if it was not weird, it's because I have no idea that the incorrect phrase has left my mouth. I, I'm not gonna lie when I say that I'm excited to have more listeners... And more people emailing us, mostly to catch the things that you say. Let's and to start comment, a counter. And to comment on not only your content, but definitely the like how you say things. I'm so glad that you're excited for me to be picked apart by the internet. Because if the internet can do anything, it's pick on people's grammar. Yup. <laughs> Don't let us down. <laughs> okay. Well. All right. So I was going to say, are, are you done? Have you... Have you gotten your fix? I guess I have. I feel good now. I feel I feel better now that I've gotten that off my chest. Okay. It's been well, bothering me for a while. We're here to help. <sighs> and have you been boosted enough to roll into today's topic? Yes, I have, because boy, today's topic is a doozy. Yeah. It's one of those that I'm excited to listen to because you know, as I think has become abundantly clear, I only remember about 30% of the things that I learn. Mm-hmm. My memory's functioning at about a 30% level, so I'm excited to relearn stuff, but I'm also dreading relearning about this. <laughs> yup. This is a very common topic for, uh, I guess, baby's first serial killer. <laughs> it's He's one of the big ones, one of the the main guys. I guess we should say, if they haven't gotten it from whatever oh, our suppose. title is, is, hey, we're gonna be talking about gross serial killer shit. Yeah, let me, I have a whole preface, so okay. I will, let me, let me roll into that right now. All right. Because it's going to weigh down on my conscience if I don't. <laughs> so, basically, I have been very wary of talking about serial killers and true crime topics because... On the whole, I think that they're a huge bummer. Yep. Um, I really love true crime, and I really love studying, you know, the stories of the big-name serial killers, but I am also very distinctly aware, especially with more recent, after-the-turn-of-the-century serial killers, that real people's family members are dead because of them. Yeah. So, you know, with ghost stories and monster lore, we can be like, wow, how weird! But at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect us in a day-to-day -day way. Especially the ones that are questionable whether they're real or not. This is hella real. But serial killers are so real, and they're terrifying, and while their stories are fascinating, I don't want to accidentally give the idea that I'm laughing them off or treating them like they're just entertainment, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good reasons to be touchy about this subject. Mm -hmm. The other reason I've hesitated to talk about serial killers is that many of the ones I'm most interested in did outlandish, bizarre things because they had schizophrenia or some other related problem. 
And I don't want to be like, whoa, hey, look at this crazy guy who cut up a bunch of people because he thought Jesus told him to. Because it creates a narrative about schizophrenia that it's the crazy serial killer disease. When the reality is that this is a mental disorder that can be treated and managed and it's a huge tragedy that these people who became serial killers didn't have access to the help that they needed. Yeah, and this is this is the my personal reason why I'm always wary to talk about um, serial killers because of the fact that, you know, the whole mental health issue mm-hmm. and I don't want to accidentally add to the stigma of, you know, people with mental health problems are the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know? or crazy or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Whenever we say crazy, by the way, if we ever say crazy, it's not cuz we're referring to a mentally ill person. No, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, as a storyteller, it is fun to gawk at the sheer absurdity of things that happen with these serial killers, but... Because that's what humans do. Yeah, but behind it, I think I'm just too aware that these were humans and not just stories. Yeah. So, sorry to be such a bummer right off the bat, (laughs) but I just really wanted to clear that up and make sure my stance was set on me talking about creepy serial killers and why I will be weirdly specific about which ones I pick to do an episode on. And how much prep work we'll go into beforehand, because if we are going to talk about a serial killer, especially the recent ones, we want to do it well, mm-hmm. I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think it's important to ask, why are we going to be talking about this guy today? Good question! We are going to be talking about Ed Gein because he is the guy that a ton of horror tropes are based on. He is, aside from maybe H.H. Holmes, he is one of the original serial killers from whence all other representations of serial killers in the media are but a shadow. (laughs) So he's basically the inspiration for a lot of fake serial killers is what you're saying. Yep. In fact, his you will listen to his story and it will probably sound cliche and over the top and unbelievable because that's movies and books have been copying this guy's story for decades. It's old hat to us now, but at a time this was brand new and totally terrifying. So if anything, when we were talking about the like the cliche of the mentally ill, traumatized guy turning mm-hmm. into this crazy butcher man. Yes. This guy kind of started that. Mm-hmm. Really did. He was, uh, I'm sure there were more people before this under the same circumstances, but he's the one that got really famous. Okay. All that said, he's also the guy who made the infamous nipple belt. <sighs> That we mentioned in an earlier episode. <sighs> so if that's too much for you, please consider this your trigger warning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go down that road. He did some pretty gross stuff. So let's begin our story. Yeah. Our weird twisted story. So Edward Theodore Gein. Or- I still say Gein. It's just I'm never gonna kick that habit. You know what? I'm gonna get you to not say Gein right now. Because if his last name was Gyne, there would be Ed Gynecologist jokes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you, you win. 
So, Ed Gein. You just said Ed Gein. Yeah. Oh, damn it! No! <laughs> Gein! See, I'm trying really hard not to do it myself. Shit. Oh, oh, look at those poor sad spikes on our recording. So. I'm sorry, volume. I'll fix you later. <laughs> so, Edward Gein. Edward Theodore Gein. Or Ed, Oh, as right. everyone calls Let's him. Let's just call him Ed. <laughs> Let's just call him Ed. He was born on August 27th. 1906. When he was a kid, he lived in a house in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. He's a Virgo, by the way. That makes him a Virgo. Well, you are also a Virgo. Yeah. Nah, his birthday's like three days from mine. Hmm. 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 I actually know a bunch of people with that exact birthday, well, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, what, one twelfth, one tenth of the calendar? I will still, I will argue that statistic till the day I die. But okay. yes. <laughs> I mean... You're right that it's that proportion of the calendar, but let's, yeah, let's move on. So he lived in a house in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, with his mother, father, and older brother. And his story is bad right off the bat, because his home life was not a good one. On the one side was his father, George, who was an alcoholic who could not keep a job. I only assume that he was abusive because it was like 1910 and there weren't they weren't big on child safety or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dad worked as a carpenter or a tanner or a, an insurance salesman. Sort of whatever work he could get, but nothing lasted for very long. At some point he owned a grocery store, but then he sold it and moved the family to the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Which is a funny name for a small town. Unless you live in Illinois, where there's another Plainfield. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I There's just, also a normal Illinois <laughs> I just imagine that They showed up to this place And they're like, hey, what are we going to call it? And they're like, I don't know, there's just sort of a, a Plain, big, big field plain here. field <laughs> So, uh, they moved into A very isolated 155 acre farm Because the parents did not do very well With people mm, I was going to say, that's a big farm Big farm out in the <clears> middle <throat> Of nowhere his mother, Augusta, uh, actively took advantage of the farm's isolation to keep the world away from her two boys. Mm. She was... Well, okay, well, the wiki page described her as a fervent Lutheran, and I couldn't think of a better way to say that. She was uh, not just religious, she was like, balls to the wall, dial up to 11, out the yin-yang? No, sorry. Mm. She was trying to run her own personal cult of mom sort of religion <laughs> in I the think household. That's, I think that's way more accurate and descriptive than fervent Lutheran. Well, fervent was the word I was going for. Mm. She frequently preached to her two sons that the world was a horrible, awful, innately evil place. Yikes. And uh, she hated her husband and talked often about the immorality of drinking, mm-hmm. and frequently expressed her beliefs that all women were, by their very natures, whores and instruments of the devil. Hey, I recognize all those horror movies. Hey, so she was a treat. <laughs> Ed's mother did not let him leave the farm except to go to school. All right. He was not allowed to make friends at school, and his mother would punish him when he tried. Oh. So that's a good start. 
When he was home from school, most of his time was spent doing chores on the farm, and every evening his mother would sit both of the children down and read passages from the Old Testament, picking the scariest, most graphic bits about, like, death and murder and divine retribution and all that fun, child-appropriate stuff. Yikes. So this, uh, as you can imagine, is already quite the brewing storm Mm -hmm. for this young boy. She's kind of grew up so well-adjusted. House in the middle of nowhere with a crazy strict mother teaching her children that the world is basically completely irreparably evil. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Well, and then here's the thing, is that Ed loved his mother. Mm-hmm. He was fucking terrified of his mother because she was scary. Mommy dearest. But she was also the center of his whole world because she never allowed anyone else to come into that orbit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're, like, eight, you don't realize that your parents are terrible people. Nope. <laughs> so she was his only guiding light in an apparently chaotic and terrifying world. Mm-hmm. So Ed basically only had his mom and his time at school. His classmates and teachers said that he was a shy boy, although every once in a while he would do something weird, like just start laughing randomly, as if he was cracking up at one of his own personal internal jokes. Oh, I don't think I remember that one. Yep, that's just a little detail. Said it was very quiet, but sometimes just kind of did odd things like that. He was just in Little Ed World. Mm-hmm. Despite his many social problems, it sounds like he was a pretty good student, especially with reading, because that'll help you read the Bible better if your mom's crazy. (laughs) Now, the Gein family was pretty isolated, but they weren't completely cut off from the town. The dad went there to find work. That's where the grocery store and the gas station were. So people in town knew about the family. It wasn't like they were completely in the middle of... Hidden, Absolutely nothing. Hidden up in the woods. Yeah. Uh, so aside from his mother being crazy possessive, nothing all that weird happened around the Gein family for a good 30 years. Which is impressive. Yep. <laughs> in 1940, when Ed was 34 years old, Ed's father died of heart failure on account of all the excessive drinking. <laughs> That'll do it. Ed and his brother started getting work out in town as handyman to cover the living expenses for their mother. If you'd asked any of the people living out in town, they would have said that both of the brothers were generally very honest, reliable guys. Does his brother have a name? He does. We'll get to him in a moment. Oh, all right. Ed, in particular, was known to be just kind of shy and a little bit weird, but people just thought that he was kind of slow (laughs) and otherwise harmless. You know, the small-time familiarity. They're just like, oh, that's just weird old Ed that lives out of town. He was so unassuming, in fact, that a lot of people in town would ask him to babysit their kids. Which, once you you know what he does later, it's pretty distressing. But to be fair, he seemed to enjoy babysitting a lot because he seemed to relate to kids a lot better than he related to adults. Oh. He liked kids. Buddy. Kids were nice. He was, um, not great with the social stuff. Yeah. 
So that's, you know, that's why the town mostly thought he was just kind of simple. Simple Ed. And Ed was always devoted to his mother first and foremost. Yeah. But it sounds like his brother, who was named Henry. Oh, okay. Um, as soon as Henry got out into the outside world and started doing jobs in town, sounds like he was ready to bounce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Henry started dating a woman who had previously <gasps> been divorced. I know. Whoa. A woman who'd been divorced. That's like... Mm-hmm. And he had planned on moving in with her and her two kids. Oh my goodness. Henry also did not like his mother and really worried about how attached Ed was to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry would, like, talk bad about her pretty often and it would always make Ed really upset. Eek. Like, just genuinely shocked and hurt that Henry would say such awful things about his mother. Oh, no. So, one day, oh. about four years after their father had died, Henry and Ed were out clearing and burning the marsh vegetation off the farm property. You know, like you do. Like you do. When the fire started burning out of control... Problem. All right. Uh, local firefighters showed up. They got involved. They put it out. No problemo. It was okay. But at the end of the day, Ed reported that his brother was missing. So a search party gathered to go look for Henry, and they found his dead body laying face down somewhere in the burned area of the property. How he slipped and ended up with a shovel in his head, no one will ever know. <laughs> well, it was initially reported that he died of asphyxiation because there wasn't really any evidence that he had been burned to death. And the case was dismissed as an accident, you know, tragic mm -hmm. farming accident. However, no official autopsy was ever done on the body. And at least one person later came forward to say that there had been multiple bruises on Henry's head when they found him. Ed. Buddy. What? Who? Who's to say it was Ed? I mean, he was just... The only thing his brother ever did was talk bad about the one human on Earth that he's ever loved. But was that all? So now, Gein and his mother were all alone. Oh, that's right, because his dad's dead. Oh. And his brother's dead. So now it's just Gein and Mom. Mm-hmm. And the whole world is now safely away. <laughs> All those horrible whore women. <laughs> those skanks. Those unclean... I can't even pretend to do it. I'm not, like, Ugh. intense enough. But not all was well in paradise. <laughs> Creepy backwoods hobo paradise. Hobo Wow, that's not even that. Creepy backwoods horror paradise? Yes. Shortly after Henry died... His mother had a paralyzing stroke. Oh, no. Gein devoted most of his time after that to taking care of her. And at some point in 1945, there was an incident that just gives a little more flavor to our vision of Ed's mother here. Okay. So according to Ed, she went over to the house of this guy named Smith who lived nearby and that was because she was going to go buy straw from him, because that's what you do. Apparently, Smith was outside beating a dog, and another woman came out of the house and yelled at him to stop. But he did not stop, and Ed's mom watched him beat the dog to death. Now, Red, as a fairly sane person, 
If you showed up to someone's house and saw what Ed's mother saw, what do you think would be the most upsetting part to you? That the dude's beating the dog to death. Right! That's fucking terrible. Ed's mother was extremely upset at what she saw, but according to Ed, she didn't care about the dog. She was mad that the woman in the house was not married to Smith and had no business being there. Smith's harlot, she called her. Oh, boy. She had a second stroke soon after that. Oh, boy. Which I can only assume was fueled by pure hatred of humankind. Oh, my God. Her health deteriorated quickly, and then she died in December of that very same year, leaving Ed very devastatingly alone. Okay. Yes, yeah, this, this story's just gonna get better, isn't it? Well, like we already heard the high points, haven't we? <laughs> yep. Okay. If you hoped there would be any hope for Ed, you just stop now. Yikes. We're y- gonna- yikes, 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 yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. So we're gonna skip forward about 12 years now. Oh, so he is how old? Uh, He's, uh, 51, I think. Mm, So, early 50s. On the morning of November 16th, 1957, the people of Plainfield noticed the owner of their hardware store, a woman named Bernice Warden, was missing. The store was all closed up, and Bernice was nowhere to be found. So, Bernice's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, Oh, okay. entered the store around 5 p.m., only to find that the cash register was open and that there were bloodstains on the floor. Yikes. Looks bad. Now, Sheriff Frank remembered that Ed Gein had been in the store the evening before and had said that he was going to come back in the morning for a gallon of antifreeze. The last receipt written by Bernice that morning was for a gallon of antifreeze. Oh. So he said, hot shit, let's get him. He's our most likely suspect. Yeah, for sure. That very evening, they found and arrested Ed in a local grocery store, and the county sheriff's department also searched the Gein farm, and they found a lot more than anyone was expecting to find. Oh, is this, is this, uh... Are you ready? I don't know, am I ready? Because once we go down the Gein hole, we're not coming back. Please, please don't call it that. Please don't ever say Gein hole again. (laughs) Well... Like, I I don't like it. (laughs) Don't like how that sounds. Well, I'm afraid I don't have anything better for you because we are about to enter a house of horrors. The original. So first they checked his shed. They discovered Bernice's decapitated body hung upside down by a crossbar at her ankles. Oh. Her hands were also tied up with ropes and she had been, quote, dressed out like a deer. Yeah. So, in case you don't know what that means, dressing is basically the process of removing the internal organs from game that you've hunted, and it's necessary if you're going to take that carcass and use it for, like, food or skin it or whatever, but it's pretty fucking disturbing when it's done to a human. Yeah, like, it's just the standard what you do to game animals. Keeps them fresh and makes them less heavy and... Yep, (sighs) all right. Thankfully, sort of, it was determined that she was shot and killed with a twenty-two caliber rifle and that all of the mutilations were done post-mortem. 
I'll take that as a win in in this case. Yep. Uh, sad that that's where our bar is, but you know, take what you can get. Yep. Could be way worse. Like when they search the house. Uh, okay. So what's, uh, what's Ed been up to? Well, the first thing I have to explain about the house is that after his mother died, Ed boarded up the entire upstairs area, as well as the downstairs living room and the parlor, because those were the rooms where his mother used to live most often. So he started living in a tiny room next to the kitchen, which was a mess. Oh. There was just trash everywhere, piles of junk, things in disrepair. While meanwhile, those boarded up rooms looked pristine because they had literally not been touched in over 10 years. Gotta keep them nice for mom. You know? And then I guess at some point during that time, Ed also got really into death cult magazines, which I didn't know were a thing. Death cult magazines? Like, maybe like, like for kill your... everyone for Satan magazine? <laughs> or like, how to raise demons, a subdivision of time magazine? I don't know. Wow, alright. I, yeah, didn't know, especially a dude without access to the internet. Where does, where does he get... Death cult magazines. I don't know. Maybe in town. From the hardware. Yeah, like in town. Like, is it right next to the Playboys? Like, he also liked adventure stories. But, like, mostly. Adventure stories, like. Like adventure books, but mostly the ones that involved cannibals or Nazi atrocities. Oh. So those were hanging around his house everywhere. You said adventure books, and I'm picturing, like,. Indiana Jones, or how like the Hardy Boys. Yeah, and then you say cannibals and Nazi, Nazi atrocities, and so I just pictured automatically in my brain, you know, baby's first Nazi book <laughs> <laughs> with like the cute kid illustrations and everything. Yeah, I wanted to learn more about this, but I also really didn't, so I didn't yeah, go that's, look. That's fine, but way way worse than. His taste in reading materials was his taste in interior decorating. Oh, she winced. Oh, the face. I know what's going. I know what's happening next. <sighs> I just, I need to take yeah, a moment. Nope. Take, sip your tea. Okay. Oh, boy. So uh, we have chocolate around here somewhere. Why did I think this would be a we good have, idea? We can have ice cream after this. We still have some oh, ice cream. Ice cream is yeah. good. Ice cream is good. Ice cream is good. We'll have some ice cream. Okay, Ed Gain is bad, but ice cream is good. Yeah, we could play okay. some games. Oh, thanks. There's happiness outside oh. this room. <laughs> Listeners, if you're getting swicked out, go buy yourself a pint of, of ice cream. <laughs> or beer if you're legal <laughs> and would like a pint of beer. Just don't drive. And Be if responsible. You, and if you really want a treat, just mix that ice cream with that beer. Isn't that like a beer float? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, was, I meant it. All right. <laughs> All right, so it turns out that... Uh, Ed Gein, for the last decade, he had been stealing parts of women from the nearby graveyard and sort of playing arts and crafts with them. Ah! That's the worst way to describe it, but it's really the most accurate. I keep I keep going back to the wiki with this one, but it has a wonderful list of all of the shit that they found in his house. Uh. So let me just go over that list with you now. Ahem. <clears throat> so, authorities found... Whole human bones and bone fragments. Well, phew, that's not so bad. 
Is this? Is there going to be a partridge in a pear tree at the end of this? A partridge <laughs> in a pear tree that was dead <laughs> and also made of human bones. Okay, well, uh, they also found a wastebasket made of human skin. Gonna let that sink in. Mm. Also, just be careful if you go Google imaging. Oh. Google image searching this. Good thinking. There's a lot of gross stuff. Thankfully, most of the pictures that come up during that are not actual pictures of the articles, but some of them are. <laughs> and then you'll see a lot of other gross shit, so... Be very careful Google imaging this entire thing. Alright, so what else could they find after coming across this wastebasket made of human skin? Well, hey, how about human skin covering several of the chair seats? Oh, You know, it's like leather. Like, did they find a bunch of craft books? Like, how to make... How, you know, skin, Like those cluts. Oh, I was thinking of, like, my oh. my books. Like, how to tan, how to... Well, he was sew. a farmer. Like, he knew how to sew his own stuff. He knew a lot about hunting. He knew how to slaughter animals and how to be resourceful. So, he didn't need no book. Okay. They also found skulls on his bedposts. I have seen that, yep. Mm-hmm. As well as female skulls, some with the tops sawn off, and bowls made from human skulls. I was going to say, didn't he have bowls? He had he cereal had bowls. He had bowls. Delicious. Easy to clean. Totally hygienic. Mm, they're... Really not, though. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. Which is really terrible, but I do kind of giggle sickeningly to myself, like imagining turning the light on and the light shining through like the mouth and the eye holes and like putting a little smiley face on your wall where the shadow puppet bit works. You haven't actually skinned many faces then. No. I hate to break it to you, but that's not exactly how the end product I'm just trying to lighten the mood. <laughs> well, I also there found a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, which how the fuck do you even? It looks like two little strips of leather. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Just like little... Y'all gonna stop helping. Thank you. Y'all have already heard about the nipple belt. <laughs> which is my least favorite thing to ever exist because... <laughs> It's exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly what it sounds like. He just sewed a bunch of human nipples together into a belt. He made a belt! He was like, well, I've got all these nipples lying around. What should I do with them? Hmm. Ah! Did he keep his pants up with it? Was it for fashion? I don't know. He's like this 50-year-old farmer dude with a nipple belt. What are you gonna do with that, buddy? Uh, oh, I hate it. It's just so weird. And it helps that that's your least favorite word of all time. I hate the word nipple. Who there's, came up with that? There's a whole belt of it for you. <laughs> so many of them. It's just a gross word and a weird part of the human body and a weird thing to make out of them. <laughs> Not that there's anything better to make out of them. Please keep them on your body. <laughs> Unfortunately, wait, wait, new catchphrase, new catchphrase for the morbid moment, morbid moment, please keep it on your body. Nipples, please keep them on your body. Old timey people are gross. 
nipples belong on bodies. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of things that belong on bodies. Mm. The nipple belt's my least favorite, but it's not the grossest thing. And, like, I originally kind of worried that we'd already given away the grossest thing by mentioning the nipple belt early in our series. Oh, no. But no. I'm halfway through our list. They also found a corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Mm Mm-hmm. They found leggings made from human skin. Yep. They found many masks made from the skin of female heads. Many. Many. He's like, no, I don't like exactly how this one turned out. Practice makes perfect. I'm gonna be the best human face mask maker ever. On top of that, they found four noses. I imagine just just around. Like, what? Were they just, like, searching the couch cushions? They're like, oh, Frank, I found another one. Well, yeah. It was... It was unfortunately kind of like that. It sounds like the group that went in to investigate, I feel so bad for them. But They're like, man, I hope we find this missing girl. Oh. 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 Uh, what? What is that? Oh. Are those skulls? Uh, chief, I found a... Looks like a... What are these? On the drawstring. I think what? they're... Oh my god, their lips! Oh! Oh boy! Oh god. Is that- Oh, don't sit in that chair. Don't. Don't. Oh boy. Frank, pick your ass up. Quick, 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 quick. Four noses. A bunch of fingernails from female fingers. Ah. And the worst of all, some poor guy found nine vulvae in a shoebox. Some guy opened a shoebox. Some guy opened a shoebox and found this dude's vulva collection. And it's collection. I I got I got the idea that like he didn't know what to do with them, so he kind of just put them in there that's to what, use later. That's what you got from that? Yeah, well, no. Maybe that's just my wishful thinking. 9 of them. And I've actually, I've heard interviews with people who were around at the time, and just their description of this poor guy being like, Chief, I need you to come take a look at this. And there's the box full of lady parts. Like, really specifically nine of them. They also did find, the the last thing that they did find is a young girl's dress and two more vulvas of two f- females judged to have been about 15 years old. So, this... I mean, the nipples had to come from somewhere, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this happened. That's that's probably the most profound statement that you can say about this. This... This happened. Happened. One day. This is real. Some poor people had to walk through this house. They weren't even like, hey, we gotta find this crazy slaughter machine man. They're like, we better go investigate his house and see if we can find this poor missing girl. Yeah, oh, they were just God. they were just looking for a missing girl. They weren't even looking for a murdered girl. So now if you've heard all of this and you're thinking, Wow, 
That sounds like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs with his creepy skin suit. Yeah, no, well, you'd be right, because Ed Gein is one of the inspirations for that character. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, in the house, they did also find the remains of Mary Hogan, who was a tavern owner who had gone missing three years earlier. Uh, they found her face mask in a paper bag and uh, her skull in a box. He's like a hoarder, but with people parts. What? Yep. That's a good way to put it. They also found Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Like, probably hadn't quite decided what to do with it yeah, yet. Yeah, you gotta get to processing that eventually if you want to make a good mask out of it but like you know you described his place as being all ramshackle and crowded and garbagey and dirty and the way that they're like yes i found this collection of things but also noses Uh and like two more vulvas like i just imagine them like sorting through like newspaper newspaper human skin newspaper forgotten tub of butter nose lampshade like yep oh they just to just to complete our records uh they also found bernice warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of gain's stove yeah they're like well what's all this stuff oh okay great well this is garbage that he hasn't taken out yet and this is a woman's heart all right all of these artifacts were photographed at the state crime laboratory and then destroyed. Yeah. Which normally I'd be like, wait, no, that's evidence, but fucking burn it. Burn it. Bury it. it. It's okay. You are doing the world a favor. These need to cease existing quickly. Burn them. The last thing that these things need to do is end up in a museum somewhere. So, all of this has unfolded. Like a hideous... Meat flower. What? Like a hideous human skin. Like a hideous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gross. Oh, it's just man. Everyone is very upset. These sheriffs have probably never had to do anything like this in their entire lives. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that they've never had to do anything remotely this remotely close to this in their entire lives. I'm pretty sure that these Plainfield <laughs> cops <laughs> pretty sure that Ed's the first horror house that they've had to unpack. Absolutely. So, with all of this now out in the open and with news reporters swarming and everyone going holy shit, there was a crazy dead people body part collecting guy living amongst us this entire time. Let's go back to Ed. So the authorities question him, and Ed, throughout most of his time after being caught, is very mild-mannered and polite, and he famously agreed that he would explain everything if they would just get him some apple pie with cheddar cheese on it, because that was his favorite food. Okay. So they got him his pie, and he he ate his pie, and then he was like, okay, I'll tell you. Um, okay. And that's- this I, gu- is... I guess at least he didn't want eyeballs. I guess this is actually really part of why Ed Gein was so horrifying to people, I think, is that even after all these atrocities were revealed, he didn't, like, draw back the curtain and- 
laugh maniacally and be like, and I would have gotten away with it too if it <laughs> wasn't for you kids and that dog. No, he was still the exact same unassuming, quiet, shy boy that he had always been, which people in the town of Plainfield thought was harmless. Yeah, I think that's actually that's actually a really, really good point. Like, he's... You want there to be some reveal where he's like, yes, I was evil the whole time and I loved it and I had sex with all of the corpses. So you can be like, what? An awful monster. Or at least, like, a sociopath that's very much unrepentant and... And lied to all of us and yeah. something like that. Or but... was calculating, at least. Like, yeah. some sort of, oh my gosh, we didn't know that this monster personality was in this, this disguise. This quiet, strange guy. He's less of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh-huh. And more of just a sheep who turns out to eat other sheep. Yeah, like, what do you do with that? It means that any nice person you know could be a serial killer. And not just that they're hiding some other personality, but that, that That's like... just there. That they're re not just like, oh man, how am I supposed to trust anybody because they look so harmless, but they might not actually be. It's, no, like, this sweet person that you, or this, this harmless person that you are sure you know their personality. That you trusted to watch your kids growing that up. That all of, like, what you assumed about them is still true. That's still them. They just also do this. <laughs> so here's what he confessed to. He told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he had made as many as 40 nighttime visits to graveyards in a days-like state. Uh, once there, he'd start exhuming recently buried bodies, but he also said that a lot of the time he'd snap out of it and sort of realize what he was doing and leave the bodies alone and go home. But some of the time, though, he would find middle-aged female corpses that resembled his mother, take them home, and then disassemble them to make his woman costume. Oh, God. Oh, God. Because, oh, God. <laughs> because soon after his mother's death, Gein started making a, quote, woman suit, unquote, so that he could become his mother and literally crawl into her skin. Wow. So he didn't take the death of his mom very well, I'm guessing. Wow. Or any of it very well. Didn't take it well at all. Just sort of... Just, just sort of that obsession just kind of spiraled out of control and into... Wow. This. So, for the record, because I know everyone's wondering, Gein denied ever having sex with any of the bodies because they smelled too bad. Well... Again, yay, I guess? Uh, I guess it could have been worse. <sighs> he confessed to the deaths of both Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden, and it was suspected that he may have been responsible for a couple of other missing persons cases in the area over the years. Uh, what he did was so disgusting and so upsetting that during questioning, one of the county sheriffs actually assaulted Ed by smashing his head into a brick wall. Oh my god. They ended up unable to use that particular confession because yeah, the officer had technically attacked him, and that sheriff died of heart failure before Gein's trial. Oh god. He was basically traumatized to death. 
Like, no one argues that because he had to take on this case and because he was going to have to talk about how he slammed Ed's face into a wall in the trial, he just stressed himself to death. Jesus. So people say that Ed basically killed this guy as well as if he had butchered him personally. Wow. So everyone was very, very upset. Wow. About this. This is also, you know, this was a small town 1950s. Yeah. Where bad things don't happen. Right. People get accidentally, like, mowed down by tractors. Yeah. Or shot in a hunting Drink themselves to death. Alcoholism. Whatever. They don't get murdered by a crazy guy that then used their various parts to make a creepy woman suit. So that he could be his mother. Or whatever. They don't get murdered by what will become one of the most famous murderers of all time. (laughs) I won't go into too much detail about Gein's trial, but there is one part that kind of haunts me to this day, so I thought I would share it. Thank you! Morbid. Uh, I wish I had the direct quote. I'll go find it again someday. Um, But supposedly... The guy helping Ed through his trial, I guess the defendant mm-hmm. helper guy. I don't actually understand court cases very well. I'm sorry. But this guy, uh, through the trial, he was sitting next to Ed. And at some point, Ed got really scared and grabbed this guy's hand and asked him, like, what are they going to do to me? Am I going to be okay? Like, I remember being 11 and getting really scared of this haunted house thing that my school put together and as I was walking through it I got so scared that I grabbed the hand of like this sixth grader that was leading me around for safety because I was just like please 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 you're the closest thing I had to an adult please get me out of here I'm so afraid right now I wish you were my mom like please 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 I just grabbed her hand like like without thinking about it out of self-preservation That is child behavior. That is a child looking for a parent to make it better. Ed was 50 years old at this point, and I find that profoundly upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for putting that in my brain for the rest of my life. Carry that to your grave with me. Oh my god. How did I how did I look into so much about this guy but I missed that part? It was in a really good documentary. Jeez. Yeah, this is why this is like the perfect illustration of what we were talking about about why he's so scary compared to other scary serial killers. It's like he had no idea what he was doing, but he kind of did, but he also didn't. And he just didn't It's like a understand. kid pulling the legs off of a bug. Yeah. <sighs> so, basically, he was very guilty of murder, but he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, found mentally incompetent, and was sent to a couple of high-security correctional facilities. He got moved around a little bit. Eleven years later, they decided that he was finally mentally stable enough to stand trial, so they tried it again. Though pretty much the same thing happened over again. Uh, He was found guilty of first-degree murder, but he was ruled not guilty by reason of insanity again. 
Um, and he was sent to Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, and there he spent the rest of his life. Wow. He eventually died there of respiratory failure secondary to lung cancer in 1984 at the age of 77. Wow. He lived to be 77. So, for his entire time at the hospital, staff all knew him and agreed that he was, you know, a quiet, fairly mild-mannered man that liked to keep to himself and read the paper and all that. Um, Though I have heard one of the staff there say that during full moons, he would get really agitated and say a lot of terrible things about women and how he was going to kill everyone and God would punish them and all that good stuff. But then, you know, eventually he'd sort of settle down and go back to his normal quiet self and it was all over. I could share stories about the whole full moon effect uh, in words like that, the legend of of that, but I think maybe we'll have a whole episode about that. Either way, I would totally believe that. Even even if it's just coincidence, that's, yeah. And then, uh, sort of to round us off here, I'm going to share a little bit about the town of Plainfield after this. Like I've been saying, the people who live there did not appreciate that they were suddenly famous for this serial killer that had caused so much anxiety and fear in their community. Ed Gein's house and property and belongings were all scheduled to be auctioned off at some point, with uh, some rumors going around that his house was going to be turned into a big tourist attraction. Oh, God. Like you do. But three days before the auction, the house was destroyed by a fire. Ah. Everyone figured it was arson, but the cause was never officially decided. Cops just shrugged. Cops like, I don't know, must have been a loose wire. But he didn't have electricity going to his house for years. I don't know. Must have just... <laughs> those old farmhouses will just set on fire. Must have just been some kids. Push his can of lighter fluid behind back. <laughs> and then when Ed learned about this while he was still in detention, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, just as well. That his house burned down? Yep. It's just as well. Alright. But for years and years, this poor town... Well, it still does have to deal with they didn't re- tourists. They didn't rename their own town to, like, not Usville. <laughs> not the murder. The, the murders happened over there, Tin. <laughs> yep. There was one interview with a uh, person who lives in that town, and he was talking about how much he hated when the tourists would roll in and uh, eat at their restaurants and drink at their bars and tell Ed Gein jokes. Mm. Because... At some point, you have to stop being terrified and start laughing, because otherwise you just have to admit how cruel and dark a, uh-huh. uh, the world is. So, what is an Ed Gein joke, you ask? Oh, no. Well. Are you serious? I'm just awful enough to have gone and looked a couple of them up. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, everyone. This was not me. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> what did Ed Gein say as the hearse drove past? Dig you later, baby. But um, was Ed Gein popular with the ladies? Well, there are always women hanging around at his place. <coughs> bartender, give me a Gein beer. And the bartender says, "Well, it has lots of body, but no head." <coughs> What's Ed Gein's favorite food? Lady finger sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. 
Okay, I have one more. I'm sorry. Oh my god! I just have one more. I just have one more. Okay, here it is. <sighs> Why did they have to keep the heat on at Ed Gein's house? So the furniture wouldn't get goosebumps. <gasps> oh my god! Do you want to come back toward the microphone? No! I want to leave! <laughs> okay. Oh my god! So that is That's... Not- that's so bad. So that is an awful way to end an awful episode about one of the worst people to ever live. Oh, God. There's nothing okay about... There's really nothing okay about nothing it. Nothing okay about... It's I... the worst. This is so morbid. <laughs> it's like dead baby jokes, but about an actual case I'm, of dead people. I'm taking the whole thing. Like, everything about this story is just... The worst. Man, and that this is... The thing that kicked off and inspires so many horror movies. He has been the inspiration for many, 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 many things. Uh, I already mentioned Buffalo Bill earlier, but Mm -hmm. he was also the direct inspiration for Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he inspired Norman Bates, the character from Psycho. Absolutely. So, like, the top three scariest serial killers of all fictional time, are all based on the same one guy. Jeez. Is this to, like, balance out that we kind of had fun in our last couple episodes? (laughs) Maybe. Well, I wanted to do something that was a nice beginning to end story, and serial killers are so easy to talk about, and I'm like, you know, let's throw some gore in. We're gonna twist it up. I might have made a mistake. This has been your unmistakably morbid moment. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go have to, like... I'm gonna, like, are there rum floats? Can I just put that scoop of ice cream directly into some rum? If there is, I'm sure we can figure it out. If not, can we make it happen? Absolutely. Anything for you. Oh, God. Like I said, I'm hesitant to do more serial killer episodes because they're kind of a bummer. I was gonna say, if anything, this is our cautionary tale of this is why we talk about serial killers very, very sparingly. Because we're not just gonna, like, la la la, you know. They lips. Wacky. (laughs) Box of vulvae. That's a funny word. Vulvae. (laughs) No, I'm deeply disturbed. No, like, we're gonna look at this shit. So we don't do these often. (laughs) But, hey, if you really liked this episode and you liked us taking a look at this serial killer, as grim and as morbid and as gross as he was, I'd love to hear your opinions. Yeah, I'm kind of actually curious. In fact, if you hated it and thought this was super gross and totally depressing and you never want us to do another episode like this again, send us an email at morbidmomentpodcast at gmail.com and just let us know what you think. Because yeah, uh, any thoughts or opinions about mm-hmm. especially this episode, I'd be very interested to hear. Uh, if, uh, if this is something that people really enjoy, I'd be happy to do some more episodes like it. And at if least, it's at least in the, the every once in a while in the future. Least, well, I was going to say at least in the intensity rating. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we do love looking at, ser- like we were saying, we do love looking at these serial killer things and researching all of this horrible, morbid stuff. But there is a difference between just reading about it and researching it and then retelling the story yeah so very curious to hear if uh if people are into this or not 
So let us know. Uh, you could also leave us stars and a review on iTunes if you want to just, you know, in general help us out. And uh, it lets people know that they like our program and it, helps us get our podcast if, out if there. If you want to star rate a episode that is less horrible, you can do that too. Feel free. <laughs> if you want even more morbid moments than what our little podcast provides, consider becoming a patron. Uh, anyone who supports the show will get access to our activity feed as well as potential goodies, bloopers, and extra episodes. So, again, head over to patreon.com slash morbidmoment and take a look. We've been, we've been saving them up, and as soon as we start getting people on our Patreon, we'll start putting up that content. And, Delicious content. Yeah, and then it'll be there for, you know, whatever tier you're at to just peruse. So, I think we are definitely in need of a feel-good segment after that episode. So... We here, at the Morbid Moment, have a special surprise for you guys. <laughs> Red. So, apparently, Toki has an Instagram. What? And a YouTube channel. What? He's the, the spinoff. <laughs> Toki the spinoff series? Yeah, and uh, it's way more lighthearted than... <laughs> All of this stuff, so I highly encourage anybody who needs a little boost after this episode to go support our sound guy. On Instagram, he's... what is it? Instagram slash? Oh, I don't know how Instagram works. He's Toki the Sound Guy on Instagram. All one word. Toki the Sound Guy. And Toki is spelled T-O-K-I, the sound guy. And then on YouTube, if you search Toki the Sound Guy on YouTube, you'll find his channel. You're welcome. Yeah, he's very proud. Maybe a little too proud, but you know, supporting our cohort. So enjoy that. <laughs> uh, until next time, my name is Stick. Red has provided wonderful commentary. Toki is apparently kind of an attention whore. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Thinks he can upstage his main job. He's got a little sideline thing going on, social, yeah, well. whatever. Until we meet again, friends, remember to stay morbid, but not too morbid. Please don't go over the morbid line. Just just come back to stay, a normal morbid. Stay reasonably morbid. Yay. A new and catchy <laughs> phrase. Friends, stay reasonably morbid. All right. Bye! Bye. <laughs>